Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. I'm your host, Greg Deeds, and with me always is Josh Fisher. Hey, what's up everybody? Uh, Josh is currently covered in snow, uh, whereas California literally has a sunny day with no clouds. I wish I was joking. I could take a picture of it, but you guys wouldn't see it. There's no clouds in the sky. It's a completely clear day. Yeah, we got about 10 inches of snow dumped on us Sunday afternoon. And most of it's still out there. It's very, very bitterly cold, and I'm not happy about that. Um... Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, because I was telling Josh that, or before we were recording, that, uh, you know, me working at a gas station, I have a lot of people coming in, especially at night, going, oh, it's cold out there, it's cold, and I'll look at my phone, it's like, the coldest I think we've had in the past few weeks is 47 degrees outside, and Josh was like, that sounds nice <laughs> man when when i was in chicago at the end of october you know the coldest it got was like 47 degrees and you know i was walking around in t-shirts and shorts and just enjoying the weather because i like it when it's chilly like that you know as long as it's above freezing i'm okay you know and if it's close to yeah. 50 degrees i don't need a jacket and people are like man it's cold i'm like you haven't seen cold yet this is nice. This is mild. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, going to MAGFest for the first time, which is in Maryland, uh, oh. during like the end of... Uh, the first week like, of January. Well, this was actually... My first one was at the end of February, was when they tried to move it that one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but it was still you know snowy and cold and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and, and uh, much different than California weather, and... One of the things, so the cold wasn't what bothered me. What bothered me about going to Raleigh and then Maryland was that parts of the East Coast are much more, um, like the humidity is much higher than yes. here in California. Oh, yes. So I was used to a very dry air. And like I said, Raleigh is very, very dense when it comes to the humidity. But Maryland, mm -hmm. especially where MAGFest is located, is as dry as California. So yeah. while everyone around me is suffering, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. And then we get back to their, to their home and I'm just like, I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it stays uh, but, so uh, humid here. Uh, we, we have a really dense humidity here where I live and man, in the summertime, you go outside and it's just, Okay, hot, sticky, wet air. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible, like, uh, like an 80s metal song. Hot, sticky, wet air. It probably was. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, guys, uh, if you're new to the podcast, that was a weird intro for you to get to, uh, you know, familiarize us, familiarize us with. But um, what we do on this podcast, we watch two shows in their entirety. On a streaming platform, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu Plus, YouTube pre Premium now. 
what have you. Um, and then we uh, review, or we discuss it, talk about it, then we give our uh, opinions and reviews on it, like uh, grades, if you will, something to the blah, blah, blah. That was a terrible dis- description of what our show is. Um, as we a fair warning... <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever. As a fair warning, look, my charm doesn't come from my accuracy. <laughs> so, um, where does your charm come from? Out of my butthole. <laughs> That's edited out. You're supposed to. Uh, you're supposed to say no. I'm not editing that out. You're supposed to say it. You're supposed to say it oozes from my pores. I just I ooze the charm. With it. <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, as a fair warning, there are themes that we talk about or spoilers that we give that maybe you don't want to hear, and that's totally okay. Um, feel free to skip past that and get to the next show. Um, but uh, other than that, um, that's uh, yeah, just just as just as a warning to you, spoilers and maybe topics that don't sit well with you. Um, also, everything that is us, everything that is mission or wow. 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 Almost, you almost plugged <laughs> your other show there. Everything that's Wait all Wait till the up. end. <laughs> Look, I just finished an overnight graveyard shift and got six hours of sleep. Give me a goddamn break. Ooh, um, six hours. That's about <laughs> average, right? Uh, yeah, I guess, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, everything that's that's... Us that is all queued up is going to be on allcueduppodcast.com. You can find every single link to every site that houses our podcast. You can also find our merch. You can find a, a tab where we give opinions on shows we don't discuss on this show. Um, and uh, just everything else that's 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 that we are about. So that's that's allcueduppodcast.com. Uh, for today's episode, guys, we are going to be discussing the film by the Coen brothers called The, Ball- the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, which is like an anthology of Western stories. Um, and then the second thing we're going to talk about is the uh, Amazon original show, Homecoming, starring mm-hmm. uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, so we are going to start with The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, Josh, anything you want to throw in there before we get started on this review? What's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Burn After Reading. Really? Uh, it was it was one of my first for like straight up, but also I really enjoyed that because um it it did it for me it was the first time it was one of the first times that I saw a film not give a shit about its main cast. In the regards of, like, killing them off or uh, having them kind of be maybe crazy. Like, it was just, it was, it was, it was an interesting way to handle what I didn't think films could do. Uh, it wasn't my first Coen Brothers movie I'd found out, but it was definitely the first one that stuck with me. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm trying to remember some other ones that they've done. So what was your first one that you ever saw once you found uh, out? I'm looking up Coen Brothers movies right now because I'm trying to... Because, you know, a lot of a lot of people will say... Here's the thing. A lot of people will say Fargo or Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. um, True Grit, the, the remake. 
which mm-hmm. is uh, which is amazing. Yes, or, yes, it um, was. I would say. Um, I would definitely say. Uh, uh, wait, was Burnout directing a Coen Brothers movie? Yep. Because I'm looking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find their filmography on Wikipedia, which is apparently at the fucking bottom of the list. <laughs> Jesus Christ! There it is, filmography. Um, I would, I would say that that. Oh Jesus! I would say maybe. Fargo's my first move, my first introduction to them. Okay. Um, I don't know. It might be because I'm looking at their list. Maybe it was Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is stellar. Oh yes. I mean, I love like I defend to this day. I still defend No Country for Old Men. I haven't seen Bridge of Spies, which I want to say really bad. Dude, tell me you've seen Raising Arizona. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, God, I love that one. That was actually my first Coen Brothers movie. Um, yeah, the, the 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 movies that I've seen on the list are Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hutsucker Proxy, Fargo, Big Lebowski, Where, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, True Grit, and then now The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Wow, there's like four movies I haven't seen between those two. Oh well, wow. Intolerable Cruelty was pretty good. So was the man but, who wasn't um, there. Interesting. Anyway, we should get to talking about Battle of Us Truck. Yeah. Uh so I think this might be the first film on Netflix by like Academy Award winning they've won Academy Awards, right? Am I ta- I'm not talking on my ass on that, am I? Uh they won Best Screenplay for Fargo, Best Picture Director, and Adapted Screenplay for No Country for Old Men. And they won a... Uh, <laughs> uh, they also won a Palm d'Or. I don't know. I'm not sure how you pronounce that for Barton Fink. But yeah, they've won yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four Oscars. So, been nominated for 13. Yeah. I was looking at yeah, that's yeah. So well, you know. yeah. So I think that's the first time I we have reviewed a Academy Award winning team make a film strictly for Netflix. Um, right? Boy, this is that's possible. It's here. possible. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me on the spot like that, Josh. Information now. Go. Uh, no, but um. Uh, it's fascinating because this is also it's it's very Coen Brothers esque the film, absolutely. Uh, Buster Scruggs, but but it's it's also kind of not at the same time. It's very bizarre. So, um, I don't want to get into the synopsises because there's six stories yeah it's it's six short stories that they wrote to make a movie and they all they all take place in in like i want to say between 1850 and 1920 give or take in the west yeah there's no there's no uh real time period i'll you know it's Post-Civil War. Yeah, it's all uh, post-Civil War. But it's 
probably pre-1900. Yeah, most likely. But, um... Yeah, let's run down each... Let's go Let's go through each story real quick, Josh. So, um... The first one, which is the titular story... The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, this was arguably my favorite story out of the six. Oh, yeah? Because uh, it was the funniest. Oh, um, it was absolutely a, hilarious. Yeah, like, it, for me... Comedy is always the thing that that hits me the hardest and the quickest. And um uh this was like watching I I can't remember the actor's name who played Buster Scrugg, but Tim Blake uh, Nelson, who was brilliant in O Brother Where Art Thou. Right, right. Like he's been he and he's been in other Coen Brothers movies too. Like this is far from his first. But this was the first time that I think he took a lead in one of their stories. Mm-hmm. And it was so fucking good. Like, I was not, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what to expect. And so it starts off with a song, and then, like, the first time that I legitimately laughed at its dark comedy was when he goes into that, like, random uh, uh, tavern. And he's like, <laughs> he I, want, I want a whiskey. Through. And the guy was like, we don't serve whiskey. And he's like, well, what are they drinking? Whiskey? I was like, that made me laugh immediately. <laughs> I, th- then, I think I actually it, laughed when he actually walked through the saloon doors and he dusted himself off where he's wearing all white. Oh. And he took a step forward and like this dust outline was right behind him. That shit was funny to me. That Yeah, that got me too. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just super fucking funny. It was really, really, really funny. And I, I thought um, I thought the cast was really interesting to have there. And uh, but it was also perfect because I don't think I could have watched that story in a full-length film. I no, don't think I could have. No, it worked as a short story. It, as yeah. a full-length film, no way. That would just be too much. <clears throat> but I loved, uh, you know, you find out very quickly that even though he has a very pleasant demeanor about himself and he's well-spoken and polite, he is not a... How was it he said? He he was not uh, unfamiliar with the ways of the outlaw. And, you know, everybody thought because he was wearing white, he was, a, he was you know, a sheriff. And you find out that he is a quick draw and he's dirty and, you know, just downright funny. It's like that one guy insults him. And he's like, you're shooting iron work. And then he puts a bullet through his head and holsters it. And he goes, it appears to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It was, oh my God. Like, there's just so many really, really fun little moments in that whole thing. And I think the, the it, best part, though, sorry to cut you off, but the best part fun. was when he sits down to the poker game. And Clancy Brown, who was Surly Joe right across from him, uh, pulls the gun on him. And he's like, what are you going to do now? And he sits there and he just stomps that loose board in the table three times and makes Clancy Brown shoot himself in the face three times. Yeah, that, that made me laugh as well. That was really funny. Oh, that was awesome. Um, But, uh, but yeah, like, the, even the ending was like, it was really cleverly done. and. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was really happy with it. I was really happy that's how it started. Um, so do you want to give each short a grade, Josh, or do you just want to give the whole movie a grade? Just give it a whole, the whole. Okay, so then we'll move on to the next one, the next story, which is called Near... Algodonis. Algodonis, thank you. Christ, I was like looking, I was like, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> um, Algodonis. So this, this was one of the <laughs> stories that I liked, that I liked the least. The only part to me that I enjoyed was Pan Shot! Yeah, yeah, this one wasn't that great. Um, this one starred James Franco. Uh, it opens up, he's standing there with his horse, and he attempts to rob an isolated bank. And Stephen Root is the teller, and I enjoyed him. Uh, James yeah, Franco's, yeah. you know, holding him up, and Stephen Root shoots at him from behind the counter. Uh, and then comes out wearing a bunch of, like, cookery, uh, skillets and pans and James Franco's shooting at him trying to take him out and he keeps hitting all this makeshift armor and he's yelling pan shot pan shot <laughs> and he knocks him out yeah it's uh but like that was I mean that was about it like the rest of the story was like he was going to be hanged and then Indians came and killed the guys hanging him and then he was like kind of sitting there for a while, and the horse was starting to like, move, and he was stuck. And then a guy came and saved him, and then he was captured again, and then he was actually hung that time, and that's how the story ends. I was just like, this is yeah, bizarre. Like it's really like, uh, what's the term? Avant garde. Yeah, yeah. The, like, the guy that saved him turned out to be a cattle wrestler, and he's like, "You help me get this uh, herd in." He's like, "Sure." And then you know. They get busted. <laughs> he ends up getting hanged anyway. So yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, it's just yeah, yeah. With me, uh, the second story or the third story, which is called Meal Ticket, mm-hmm. uh, stars um, Liam um, Neeson. Liam Neeson. Thank you. I was like, damn it, I have his face. Uh, and Harry Melling was the guy that played Harrison, the wingless thrush. Harry Melling, if you are a Harry Potter fan, he was the chubby boy that played Harry's cousin Dudley in the movies. Oh my god. Yep. Okay. Yep. I thought I recognized him. That's really funny. Um This was this was the uh, one of the other stories I really didn't enjoy. Like This one was dark I, as fuck, too. I mean, it was, but it also was just like it it dra- it felt like it dragged on. It felt like it just went on way, 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 way too long it to did. get to the point of being fucked up. It it really did. Um, you know, basically the premise for this one was uh, Liam Neeson plays an impresario and he travels around with this in a wagon that converts to a stage, and he goes from town to town and. The performer Harrison, he's a young man with no arms and no legs. He uh, basically theatrically recites classics uh, from literature and poetry, such as Ozymandias and the biblical story of Cain and Abel and works of Shakespeare and recites Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. At the end of the performance, Liam Neeson goes around to the people that are watching 
and takes up, you know, a collection. And each town they go to, you see excerpt, you see him setting up, you see Harrison doing his excerpts, uh, you see him passing the hat around, taking up money. And each town they go to, it's getting colder, the crowds are getting smaller, the take is growing uh, less and less. And then one night, no money whatsoever. And what what's crazy is you 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 think, oh, you know, he's taking care of this guy. And then it shows the camp scenes in between the travels. And he he feeds Harrison and he doesn't seem to talk to him or genuinely enjoy his company or anything. He just feeds him and then he walks away and sits on the other side of fire with his back kinda to him and eats the rest of the meal and doesn't speak to him at all. Actually he takes him into a whorehouse and you know, takes him into the room and just turns him around with his back to the act of uh intercourse that is taking place. Uh you know, so he he he's not nice to him. He doesn't treat him well at all. He just feeds him and takes advantage of his deformity and profits off it. And when he's no longer profiting off of it, he sees a chicken that can do math. And buys the chicken. They're traveling. At dinner that night, he feeds the chicken chicken feed. Doesn't feed Harrison anything. And they're traveling the next day, come up on a big gorge with a bridge and a river. He walks over. Drops a big rock to kind of gauge the depth and of the water. You see him walk back towards the carriage, and he's got a smile on his face. And the next shot you see is just Liam Neeson and the chicken. There's no more Harrison. So yep. that was some dark shit. It's just, it just, like I said, it just drags on yeah. about as much as that description of, the, of it did. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that sums up the whole thing. It was like 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. But yeah. that summed up the whole thing in like a minute and a half. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just, it was, and, and and like, it wasn't the dark nature that, that bothered me so much. It was just like, it just kind of felt like, what was the point of the story? Like, I, I didn't feel like there was any kind of, and any kind of like point, you know, like, man, and a lot of these stories don't have a quote unquote point. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to say that that's, that's essentially the case, but it definitely doesn't. It never, it never came off at like every story had a, had a felt like it came off with like a, a good, middle ending, a, a beginning, middle, and an end. This mm-hmm. just felt like it had an end. <laughs> like you yeah. were just seeing the, seeing the third act of a story. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're basically seeing the end. <laughs> now but, the um, the the next one, All Gold Canyon. I enjoyed it. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Fucking love that one. And it is arguably that one is also a little bit slower, but I think what made that one so good was um the ending is a, is outstanding. The ending yeah. makes everything that you watch worth it. But also where he's located is gorgeous. Yeah, that was it was a beautiful scene that they found uh for this one. Uh this, um, this. but the story if you if you don't mind me telling the story. Go ahead. Um, so the, the, the general story of this one is that a, a prospector, 
a gold panner, a, a 49er, if you will. Played um, by Tom Waits, by the way. Yeah, which was awesome. Uh, he shows up to a creek, and he uh, gets off his horse. He grabs his pan. He starts to pan for some gold. He sees, like, two pieces. And mm-hmm. then he moves locations, and he sees four pieces. Then eight. Then 12. Then none. Then moves back to originally where he was. It's nighttime. And you see him laying down to go to bed, and he's talking to somebody named Mr. Pocket. And he's like, I'll find you, Mr. Pocket. I'll find you. I'm old, but I'm old, but you're older. Like, I'll find you. And you're just like, who the fuck is Mr. Pocket? Who is this? Who is this crazy old man? Like, oh, what the you, fuck did, is you, happening? you didn't pick up on that immediately? Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. 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 But I think that was intentional. And here's why. I don't think if you don't know much about gold panning, which is, I'd say, a lot of fucking people, that reference of Mr. Pocket, because I talked to my dad and he was like, oh, you didn't get that either. And I was like, no. Oh, okay. So. So I think that you just have to have that knowledge. Yeah. But if you don't have that knowledge, it works in your favor because it makes the mystery of who the fuck Mr. Pocket is better. Like gotcha. maybe it has this mystical property to it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no complaint over who the fuck Mr. Pocket is, just more of a I didn't know who it was. Okay, I got you. So um, the next day he's, uh, um, he's starting to dig. He's digging in different locations. And, um, after a while, he, he finds, he finds this one spot and he cracks open this big ass rock and there's a big thing of gold. And then he sees more gold in the further, you know, further into the hole. Big ass pocket of gold. Big ass pocket of gold. And he's just like, I found you, Mr. Pocket. I found you. When I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, awesome. (laughs) There Um, you go. And he's all happy. He's celebrating. He gets shot in the back. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that guy who shot him stays there for a minute, then dives into the hole and the old man wasn't dead and him yelling like, uh, um, it's okay, Mr. Pocket. It's okay. He didn't hit nothing important. He didn't hit nothing important. I I adored. Like, I was just like, I fell for the old man. He worked so hard to find that gold and was about to get it taken away, but he fucking, he fought back and killed the guy. Like, it was just such a good story. It was beautiful. Like, yeah. like I loved it. Fucking loved that story. And then, I watched you know, it again right now because it was so good. To me. It, it really was. It really was good. And, man, he cleaned up, too. I mean, he had, like, four big, huge burlap sacks full of just gold nuggets that he got out of there, you know, that yeah. he had to bust up. So, you know, that's that's enough to basically, you know, he could live on the re- that the rest of his life. And, you know, fortunately, he got to leave with it. You know? Yep. <laughs> so far, uh, he's the only one that has survived in this damn movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody's and, and, dying in this shit. And then I'm looking at the last two stories, and he might be the only one at all. Yeah. Well, well I, I mean, you might be thinking what I might be thinking. All right. Oh so. yeah. Well, that last one, man. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. move on. We'll move on to the fifth story, which is called "The Girl That Got Rattled." Who? Is the longest story in the movie. I think it was clocked in at like 35 minutes. And arguably, I think the best. Uh, third best. <laughs> third best? Yeah, I liked it a lot, but I, it's it's definitely, was, it's not, it does, to me, it's not better than the Gold Panner or Buster Scruggs. Like, I enjoy mm, okay. those way more. Well, like I said, arguably. I, I, I you know, I, I think this one in the All Gold Canyon, I think were my two favorites. Gotcha. 
I I liked this one uh, because this is the most western of them. This is the most like it could be a full length film. Yeah, yeah. This could have been a full length film uh, on its own. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about this one if you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. This this uh, young woman named Alice Longbow, her and her brother uh, Gilbert. It opens up. They are in a boarding house, and they're leaving out the next morning on a wagon train to Oregon. You know, and immediately I was thinking of that old video game, The Oregon Trail, man. Uh, <laughs> loved that when I was a kid. Uh, early in the journey, he just up and dies uh, of cholera. Fuck. She doesn't know <laughs> what to do. She was going along with him <clears throat> because he had a new business venture. And he had promised his new business partner his sister's hand in marriage. She didn't even know who she was going to marry. She didn't know anything. All she knew is she had no family back east, so she decided to press on. Uh, she becomes very friendly with uh, one of the wagon train leaders, uh, Billy Knapp. He is a younger guy. And then Mr. Arthur, he is the older wagon hand. They help. Uh, bury your brother, and her brother left behind this yappy little terrier named uh, President Pierce, who annoyed everybody because all he did was bark, 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 bark. Yeah. So Billy offers to take care of the dog, and she's like, sure, you know, I don't want him. So he takes him up over a little ridge, and I guess he goes to shoot the dog, and then you hear another gunshot, and the dog got away. He's like, well, I don't think he'll come back. He uh, he got away. Uh, shot again, missed him again, but I don't think he'll come back. Well, the next day it goes on. Her wagon hand tells her that her brother promised $400 upon the completion of getting him to Oregon. She realized she doesn't have any money. She realized that he was probably her brother was probably buried with his money on him. And Billy Knapp's like, let me think about the situation, but don't tell him you can't pay him. Just tell him you'll pay him the amount. You know, and you can see that he's kind of fallen for this woman. Uh, he ends up over the next few days, you know, they're sitting having chats every evening by the fire when they're stopped for the night and he ends up basically proposing to her he said i could settle down and you don't have any prospects you know i would take your hand in marriage and take your brother's debt pay this off and we could settle down and start a farm what have you and she's like let me think about it and the next day she's like yeah let's do it so he's happy, she's happy. The next morning, she hears some barking, and she goes off over this ridge while the wagon train stopped for a few minutes. And she, uh, she's got the dog. Mr. Arthur comes up to her, and she's playing with the dog on the back of a horse, and that's when a bunch of... I'm not sure what tribe they were from, but a bunch of Native Americans um, show up and run them down. And Mr. Arthur 
Um, you know, he's doing his best to fight them off, and he tells her, he, he gives her a gun. He says, there's two bullets in this. One's for me and one's for you. He said, if it looks like I'm going to lose, you put one in your head. <clears throat> if they take me out, go ahead and put one in you. <clears throat> Make sure swear to it. And he fights he fights them off. They go back. Then a second wave comes in. And he basically fights them off. But then there was one who was hiding on his horseback. Uh, hanging off the... Awesome. Yeah, it was cool because he sees this horse and the horse is walking funny. And all of a sudden this one slings up from hanging off the side to the back and hits him with his uh, tomahawk in the face. Oh, I thought he hit him with like a with like a um a club of some kind. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so it was a stick with a ball on the end. Yeah, it may, it may have been. It happened pretty fast. I thought it might have been a tomahawk, <clears throat> but it doesn't kill him. But he uh, he goes to the ground. He's fighting with the uh, with the warrior, and then shoots him and kills him. Walks back over to her. And she put a bullet in her head while, you know, because she thought he was dead. She thought he was done for. So it closes on him with that little dog walking back towards the wagon train with the guy that she was going to marry walking up. And he's just unsure what to say to him. And I was just like, damn, that was brutal. But it was really well done, really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I think the 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 the, the way the story played out, like it, it it felt so good. And if you added another hour to it of this of this, you know, wagon train trying to make it across, you know, trying to make it to where they need to go, and you know the 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 stripes that they deal with would be a, a fantastic full length film. I really I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a shame that it ended where it ended, but I also understand where it ended because it ended. You know, it was her story. Yeah. It wasn't about anybody else but her. It just happened, you know, everything happened around her. And so it was just really, really lovely story. And I, uh, uh, the most Western we- of, of all of them, in my mm-hmm. opinion, the most like classic Western film. So, um, but that's five of the six. So we'll get to the last one here, which um, I lost the page I had. It's uh, The Mortal Remains. The Mortal Remains. Yeah. Um, This one was was fun it was the general idea because i don't want to spoil this one too much the general idea is there are six people there's five people in a a carriage five people five people in the carriage um and they're heading to a location and there's a lot of monologues and a lot of talking and at the end it is left up to you if those people were heading to their final destination, quote unquote. And that, uh, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. That, that it had like, so one of the, one of the clever shots that they did Josh in this was that during the conversations, during the monologues, the background changes. Yep. When you, you look outside the carriage, like it goes from what looks like regular countryside to hell. <laughs> it, it looks like you know it starts out or at sunset it, yeah it starts out at sunset and it looks just like a regular landscape but all of a sudden you know as the carriage moves faster and faster it looks like they're traveling through something you would see out of a Castlevania game like Transylvania or some shit <clears throat> um 
Yeah, it's it, it's so it was so fucking good. But my favorite part, the the best part, something that if I was if I watched this in high school and I had to do a monologue on stage, I'd have taken that old man's fucking monologue and done it. God damn it, was that thing good? Oh, you talking that monologue about, was so fucking good. Oh, you're talking about how the Englishman was talking about how he is the. Uh, no, the trapper. I'm talking about the trapper oh, and his that. wife that he couldn't talk okay, to. Okay, okay. I was fucking just enthralled by everything he was saying. Because, A, A, he doesn't know English that well, so his grammar is terrible. Yeah. Which was fascinating to me, that the actor was able to do that yeah. so well. Oh, that was Chelsea Ross, man. He's awesome. I love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then to further that, he... um. The the story that he told and the way that he told it, like I just staring at my screen the whole time and it's just a guy talking. <laughs> like Yeah. So it's just it's I fucking loved it. And then like yeah, and then there's other monologues that happen within it that are just just mwah, like it's so good. I loved it. Oh, so fucking good. But um This was This was like <sighs> So the only two, I guess there, yeah, there was four that I liked, uh, because there's two that I did, um, or didn't like as much. Basically, you you enjoyed the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and then the last three, All Gold Canyon, The Gallo Got Rattled, and Mortal Remains. If I was to watch them in order, and I'm trying to think of how I would watch them in order, Buster Scruggs would be first. Uh, All Gold Remain is that what it's called? All Gold Canyon. Olgo Canyon, thank you. That would be number two. And then maybe Mortal Remains is number three. Mm. And then the, the, the one that you liked, that you said you arguably liked the best, be my Yeah. But it's, Those... it's like, the last two that I put on there are definitely like neck and neck. Like, it's not yeah. like one's better than the other. It's just... Those, those to me were the best out. four out of the four that I would watch again. The other two were just there. <laughs> And yeah. it's sad because, yeah. you know, Liam Neeson, you know, is a wonderful actor. But it was just, his was just, it went on too long and it was incredibly depressing. Which a lot of them were incredibly depressing, but his was just, eh, it was just there. Yeah, uh, the, the, the pan shot one was by far the worst. Yeah. That yeah. one that one was just it was kind of boring. It didn't make a whole lot of sense and it was just kind of like it was just there. Yeah. But um let's definitely we're we're at uh, almost 40 minutes of recording. So let's go ahead and uh give our grade so we can move on to Homecoming. Uh why don't you go ahead and go first? I'll give it a B. You know, it's it's really good. You know, it's 2 hours and like 12 minutes. But you know, uh the the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is about 15 minutes long, maybe. Uh, Near Algodonis and Meal Ticket are the next two. And those two kind of drag. And I think uh, because they drag, it can cause your interest to wane. And I think if they had moved one of those, say shifted one of those two after All Gold Canyon, Maybe that would have helped the flow a little bit more. But then again, you know, kind of an up-down, up-down, up-down rhythm could have taken you out of it. I don't know. So maybe it's best structured the way it is. 
but it's definitely closes on a high the last hour, hour and 10 minutes, you know, with the All Gold Canyon, the Gala got rattled, and the mortal remains are very good. So it starts strong and it ends strong. So I'll give it a B. Uh, the, the actors, you know, all do a great job. The, the scenery, uh, you know, everything is beautifully shot. But especially so in Al Gold Canyon. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's I love the Cohen brothers because they just give no fucks. They're like, this is what we want to do, and they'll do it the way they want to do it, and that's what I love about them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I uh, you know what's funny is I also give it a B. Um, I was thinking about it last night when I was in bed, like. What am I going to give? What grade am I going to give this movie? Because there's parts that I really, really enjoyed and parts that I didn't. And yeah. um, in it being an anthology, like how how does this work in regards to giving it a grade? And I think a B is is really you know it's, it's a it's a solid thing because um, you know two of two of the six stories I think could make full length film. Yeah. Um, and uh. Two of the stories I think work best as short films, mm-hmm. and then two I think just don't work at all. So you know how how do you grade something like that? And I and, and I and I agree with a lot of what you said, Josh. Um, except my order of what I like and what what I think is best differs from yours. Um, but that's also our taste. Uh, like I'll gravitate towards comedy over anything else. So yeah, there's that. But but yeah, like. It's good. Like in no way, shape, or form should a B scare you off. Um, uh, a solid B from both of us. Um, it just means that, like, you know, when you watch it, don't get too invested in anything. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, sit back. You know, just kind of absorb each story as it comes. And shit, if you want to, for fucking fun's sake, I guess. Stop watching it after every story and then come back the next day. Make it a whole week long thing. That way you're yeah. not kind of bogged down by each story and, and you know, on top of one another. But it's it's also fascinating because it's it's a different kind of Cohen Brothers project where I don't think they've ever done anything like this. I don't think they have either. And you know, I I would welcome more projects like this from the Cohen Brothers. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we should move on to Homecoming. Um, yes. Uh, so, Josh, why don't you go ahead and give him a synopsis of Homecoming? Well, this is a pretty interesting one because Homecoming, it's um, it was a podcast first. It was what? it was a podcast first. It was a fictional podcast from Gimlet Media. They actually have it, and it was um, a 12-episode podcast that was made specifically, you know, totally fictional podcast. It's the first one they've done on their site. So, but apparently did well enough that Amazon's like, let's make this into a show. So it's an American psychological thriller. Huh. Yep. And it stars Julia Roberts. Um 
and Bobby uh, Cannavale, Cannavale, I don't know how you say his last name, Stephen James, uh, Shay Wiggum, and Sissy Spacek. <laughs> Uh, the basic premise is uh, it follows and focuses on Julie Roberts' character, Heidi Bergman. She is a former caseworker at the Homecoming Transitional Support Center. Uh, that is a special purpose live-in facility run by this corporation called the Geist Group. Uh, the purpose of the facility is to basically help Soldiers transition from active duty life to civilian life, but the reason that they need this help is not made clear in the series. And it picks up uh, basically four years after she has left the facility. She started a new life. She's living with her mother and she's working as a waitress. And a U.S. Department of Defense auditor has stumbled across a complaint about the facility and he's doing an audit and basically looking to see if they need to open up an investigation on this homecoming facility. And the way it was shot, I think was brilliant because anything in the present was done in like I watched, I watched it on my PC. So anything that was shot in the present was uh, presented in like a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Well, well. And then anything anything <laughs> shot in the past was like a widescreen ratio, so but I thought I, that was cool. That's, that's what I thought. <laughs> what? What you're saying right now about the, the aspect ratios? Yeah. I, I thought it had to do with time as well, but it doesn't. Especially with the ending, the last episode. Oh. Yeah, that was the only one that was different, though, in the way that it was shot. Well, well, no. No? Because if you think back to any time that we saw that aspect ratio, think of what Julia Roberts' character was going through. And then when the moment where she remembers, look what happens oh, to the aspect ratio. Oh, yeah. Good point. I didn't catch this, that. This is Sam. This is, like, have you ever watched Mr. Robot? No, I've not. But this is from oh. one of the creators of the show. This is yeah, Sam Ismail. He, uh, if, if did you like the show? Just just answer yes or no. Did you like it? Yes. You'll love Mr. Robot. Cool. Like it's it is a better kind of brain fuck where what this show does. It, it, it's like, I think I said it when we decided to watch it that I. Um, I was excited about by, by its description, yeah. and I didn't realize that it was that it was basically made by the same guy. Um, and as I watched the first episode, I watched the ending, and I was like, Sam Esmail, that seems really familiar. So I looked it up, and I was like, Oh my god! Like, and I got more excited to watch the show. Mm -hmm. Um, and as things went on, I was like, When are we gonna get this fucking twist? When are we gonna get this fucking burn? Like, when is it gonna happen? And I'm just, I'm just paying attention, like. It was like the last two episodes. There was a lot of like, this is what it is. You thought it was this, but it's actually this. <laughs> so yeah, it's dude. It's so it's so it was. <sighs> I'm really happy the show exists. There's a but. <laughs> there is a but. All right. 
there's also a lot of bullshit that goes on that that just is there for filler. And it's something as uh, Sam Esmail does. He even does it in, in Mr. Robot. Um, it doesn't bother me as much in Mr. Robot because it feels more like he's uh, using his um, college art degree to make fucking rad shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, there's a uh, there's a building on fire in Mr. Robot, and the entire episode is done in one shot. Ooh. And it keeps transitioning between characters, but doing it without cutting the camera. It is fucking amazing. And it feels like in this show, he tries to do very similar things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, Like, uh, there's no point in having tense music while watching Julia Roberts do fucking desk work. I don't understand what the point of that was. It doesn't, to me, fit into anything substantial with the whole story. Yeah. It just felt like he was having fun with the camera. He's just like, ah, this is going to be good. So little things like that kind of got to me, but um, I guess got to me is not the right term. And it, I didn't enjoy them. Um, and it took me out of the show. Uh, but as for like the overarching story, it was very interesting to see where it goes and how certain things play out. But I also feel like there are moments where had the show just ran the way it needed to and not had music intensify at certain parts, it would have been more beneficial to the audience. I'll give you an example, Josh. So when, you know, like earlier in the season, they talk about lacing the the meals with the, with the drug. Mm -hmm. And then later in the season, she eats a meal with the guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name. Terrible name. Walter. Had Walter, thank you. Had the music not intensified as they began to eat, I think it would have been a big, uh, a cooler moment when you realize as the audience, like, oh, fuck, there was drugs in that food she ate. Like, it would have been a way more, uh, uh, what's the term? Cool moment for the audience to, to kind of discover that in their own, like, memory. But the show doesn't go that way. It just... It just goes. It just it just it just tells you everything. And so for me the I don't know, I feel like it could have been just done a little differently in certain parts. That's all. That's all I'm getting at. Okay. But um anything stand out to you in the show? Uh Well, I mean, I, I you know I I noticed the transition between the the way it was shot, the aspect ratio of the way it was shot, and I thought that was really cool. But I guess I missed out on that one moment. But the way the way that they really, really, really cemented it, Josh, was in the end when Julia Roberts gets home after leaving the corporate uh, the the company, and she sits in her driveway, and the aspect ratio goes from widescreen to. Oh, uh, okay. To to Instagram filter. Oh, okay. Because because she's she's falling into that that muddy memory. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. The, the the drug is taking effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm trying. I'm trying to succinctly come up with a way to basically explain that <clears throat> this show requires more paying attention than I think you would need, but also less attention in regards to how, like, let's say Mr. Robot gives you information, yeah. you know, and then and then reveals it later, or reveals what you thought. But my favorite thing about how Sam Esmail does the show does Mr. Robot is he does it like a magic trick. He tells you to look over here because, Hey, there's a mystery over here that you think you can solve. And then just slaps you in the face with something over on the other side of the screen. Like it, he does that very cleverly. But, um, the other thing I was going to say, Josh is, uh, were you ever confused by anything going on? Not really. Not really. I was curious as to what she was terminated for and what he was discharged for. I was thinking, you know, here's this soldier who is attracted to his therapist. And I was thinking that maybe it was, you know, they're they're all suffering from like PTSD, violent outbursts, things like that. I was thinking that maybe her rejection may have triggered something in him and he had assaulted her or something. That's what I was thinking because, you know, on his release form, it shows that, you know, he was released for uh, misconduct, violent misconduct, and then she was hospitalized <clears throat> but of course you know it didn't turn out to be that way which i thought was interesting that's that's that kind of thing i'm talking about like yeah yeah he he wanted you to pay attention to that he really he that was that was his hand he was showing you while he's fucking throwing a, a fucking ace out from his other sleeve you know that's that's the kind of shit that i that i was expecting um, and he still got me. Like, he still fucking got me. Because I was not... The whole, like, thinking back on previous episodes and coming to the conclusion of what was actually happening versus what was being shown, like... <clears throat> I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it made me want to go back and watch scenes from other episodes. Like... Because mm -hmm. it's, it's done in that way. Um, but again, I just... I feel like... Some of it was done a little poorly. Some of it was done a little ham-fistedly. Um, it almost felt like... It's going to sound really strange, but that Amazon didn't give him as big of a budget as fucking uh, USA is giving him for Mr. Robot. Or maybe he didn't have as much freedom with Homecoming as he does with Mr. Robot. And that's, possi that's possibly because, you know, it was based on a podcast... And not his own creation. True, true. Which I didn't know about. Like, that totally adds an aspect to what I thought, so... Yeah, I definitely want to go and listen to this thing now. Um... I, I would... I, I, I would... Yes and no. Um... I definitely want you to watch Mr. Robot. Like, that to me is... Far more interesting to see what you think of Mr. Robot to me than... You listening to that podcast? I I want to I want your reaction to that show because okay. I feel like again if you liked this 
you're going to love Mr. Robot. I got you, got you. But well, uh, I, I just you know at least want to get a couple of episodes in just to see what comparisons there are, compare and contrast. I like doing that. You know, when no, I, I totally understand. Like, in no way, shape, or form, I'm saying don't listen to the podcast. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, watch Mr. Robot. <laughs> I'm pushing for Mr. Robot is what I'm doing. It, to me, it's it's just it's so it's so fascinating to me how certain filmmakers want to push an envelope, mm-hmm. and the envelope that he's pushing, in in my perspective, is one of a filmmaker. Um, you've heard the term like a, a, a filmmaker's filmmaker. Yeah, he's that in a nutshell. Uh, he he makes movies and show. Well, he makes not movies. Sorry, he makes shows for people who would write the same thing had given the opportunity. I think that Mr. Robot succeeds. In that he knows exactly how to be a filmmaker's filmmaker, but also make a show compelling for the layman. And I don't mean to say that people are stupid, because that's not where this is coming from at all. No, no. This is, this is more in regards to how do you make a film for a wider audience while still doing fun little special things on the side? And I think he, he's, he's an expert at that. He really, he's, he really does that very well. Um, but I also think he's very, very smart in, in casting. Because, yo, the entire cast in this show? Mm-hmm. Y'all deserve a, an award of some kind. Yeah, I really liked uh, the the actor that played Schreier, um, Walter's friend in Homecoming. That's Jeremy Allen Watt. He's from one of my all-time favorite TV shows, uh, Shameless. You know, he's he's one of the main characters on there. I've always enjoyed him as an actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's not in it No, enough, he, he was opinion. not in it enough, that's for sure. He does have a very, very fun uh, monologue, too. Well, I guess it's kind of a monologue. It's mostly a monologue, because uh, uh, Walter doesn't talk a whole lot in that scene, but... It's it's they're having lunch and then he's like, "Are you sure you're oh. in Florida?" Like, how oh do you yeah, know the exactly? episode pineapple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, but also like good actors have nuance in their inflection, their body language, things like that. Like, and you can always tell what what a character is feeling at a certain moment in a scene without them talking, without them saying it, because of how they're holding themselves and mm-hmm. everyone in the show, every main actor does that so fucking well. Like they do this so well. It's not overacted. It's not under, it's just, it's done. Uh, I was just really enthralled by how well everything was done in this show. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, any thoughts, Josh? Cause I've been fucking talking this almost entire time. So, Oh no, I'm, I'm, I you know I I think it was very very well acted uh like you were saying I just uh I don't want to give away too many plot details because this is something that is same here a very very uh visually striking 
uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of things you can say about it without giving away too much, other than what we've already said. You know, uh, there's a, but yeah, really, really it, enjoy how it was shot. Yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely a show that we probably shouldn't do a whole lot of discussion just for sake of spoilers. Yeah. Um, if you have watched it and you know what we're talking about when it comes to these spoilers, like, tell a friend to watch it so that way you can talk to them about it because otherwise it's going to be very hard to, like, there's aspects to Mr. Like, I just keep saying watch Mr. Robot. I'm not giving any reasons because I don't want to. Uh, it's one of the few instances where I give a shit about spoilers. One of the very few is. Yeah, you uh, normally do not care about spoiling anything. Well, I well, don't know. No, it's not that you don't care about spoiling things. It's just you usually don't mind having something spoiled for you because it does not detract right. from your enjoyment of something. Exactly. Um, uh, but I do feel that certain in certain aspects, the, the not only shock value, but definitely that aspect of the story has an impact. So it's part of how the story is told. Yeah. So that's, you know, whatever. But, um, um, yeah, we should move on to grades. Uh, we should definitely move on to grades. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first on this since you went first on yeah. Buster Scrag Scruggs. I keep saying Scraggs like an Edie. This show gets a B. Uh, now that might be surprising considering how much I was talking, talking it up, but, as good as the story is, as well acted as it is, the show could have been done in seven episodes. <laughs> or even um, six. Or even six. It feels very dragged on. There are scenes that I just don't understand the point of. Um, I don't get why it was necessary. Um, and it just feels like the the filmmakers and the the people working on the show were just like this is going to be an artsy piece and it just comes off as pretentious so unfortunately there are just aspects of the show that just don't work for me um however you know if you if you can sit through that stuff you're going to get a really well crafted well acted and well shot story um i enjoyed it for what it was but I would argue that Sam S. Mill's other show, Mr. Robot, which I keep referencing because it's there's a lot of similarities, um, is a is a much better show. Um, plus, there's more episodes at, as of right now. I think there's three seasons. So uh, I would highly I would highly recommend Mr. Robot. But definitely, if you've watched Mr. Robot and you're looking for that same kind of mystery type of show, that same kind of thing where you can work your brain while watching it, definitely check out Homecoming. It's, it is worth your time and it's digestible. It's like 30 minutes an episode. Yeah. Yeah. 10 episodes, 10. 30 minutes. It's not yeah, it's a like, bad, not a bad watch. I would, I would actually argue that if you did a two hour film of this, of this story, it would work better than the three hours that it takes to do the season. You're probably well, actually, not wrong. Yeah, three or four hours, I would say. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's, I mean, really it, the, it, the, I, the main. 
Did you, you, did you have anything else you were going to say? or? No, that was it. I was going to throw it to you. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to give it a B as well. Uh, Jesus Christ, what was with us tonight? That that was actually what I was thinking. I mean, it was it was enjoyable. It was good. But there really isn't a lot of meat there. Um, you know, for the story that is told, 10 episodes, 30 minutes, that story could have been condensed. Um, the grades as high as it is because the acting is so good and because the visuals are so good. Uh, the story or lack of a lot of story is what brings that grade down for me. Yeah. It's it's honestly it's like somebody serving you a plate of food and it's it's like chicken skin with like a little bit of chicken and then a piece of chocolate cake. And you're just like, this is good. I'm enjoying it, but I could have more. I could have or not more, but I could have I could have it differently done. <laughs> like. I want some meat. It wasn't it wasn't bad by any means. Maybe that's a bad analogy. <laughs> I mean, it's not a perfect analogy. Not by no, not by But you know, it was still you know, your the trailer presents prime rib. Alright. You don't get prime rib, but you still get a beautiful cut of steak and it's still tasty. It's just but it's like, you but know. it's like a New York cut. Yeah. Which is still delicious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was it. That was the analogy I was going with was like your food's good, but you know it could be done better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 definitely it's easily digestible, you know, it's ten episodes, thirty minutes. Knock it out in a couple of days. Um, if you're a fan of Julia Roberts, definitely give it a watch. Yeah, she's she's stellar in it. Yeah, she was really good in it. And, and the the actor that played Walter was incredibly, incredibly talented. I really enjoyed him. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, Stephen James. Is his name? And I also really enjoyed the actor Shea Wingham that uh, plays uh, that played. Thomas Carrasco is the Department of Defense auditor. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I, I thought you were going to go with the guy that played, um, uh, like, essentially the villain of the show. Oh, yeah. Well, I like him, too. Yeah. I, I like I, I recognized him, and I was just like, ooh, I didn't know he was in it. Yay. Let's go. <laughs> so. That's crazy that we both gave both shows a B. We agreed on almost everything, except little touches here and there, but kind of not was not expecting both of us to give it a B. I thought you were going to fucking give this show an A for sure. I mean, but, you know, it was it was good. It wasn't great. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, if you I like I I really want you I really want to hear your opinion on Mr. Robot, so yeah. Eventually when you get around to it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be busy for the holidays. That's another thing, guys, like with my new job, and I've, I've said this before on the podcast, with my new job, with, with what's going on in my life, like, I don't have as much time as I used to, so we're going to start doing a movie and a show. That's how we're going to be doing this, to, to kind of give me a little bit more breathing room uh, with other projects, with other things I want to do. Not to mention, Netflix has been putting a lot of fucking movies on their platform. 
So why not for us to do movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been getting a lot of people, not a lot, but I've been getting a few people asking me, like, have you done this movie? Are you going to do this movie? Like, the reason we did Buster Scruggs was because my my uh, my brother tweeted the uh, the 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 account saying like, "Hey, you guys gonna do Buster Scruggs?" And, and I, I had already for a movie. <laughs> you know, I I had already watched it, and I was like, you know what? I've already seen it. I was like, talk Greg into it, and we'll do it. And it didn't take much talking. No. I, just, I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 but um, so for. Next episode, uh, we're going to be doing the finale of Voltron. Yeah. Now, we've reviewed it two other times on this show, season four and five, I believe. Um, it Three was, and four? no, I think it was season two. Uh, let me look. Yeah. Well, while you're, well, it was. It was Voltron, I think it was season four, seasons one through four, and then we talked about it again after season six, or maybe five. No, it was definitely five. Yeah, season five. um, Yeah, because I knew, they they were coming out with seasons so frequently, I didn't feel like, I felt like they they, they were going to end the show soon by the way the story was going, Mm -hmm. and I was like, why don't we just wait until they end it? Like, literally, I'm not even joking. We had this conversation in August. Like, maybe it's slightly earlier. I was like, let's wait until they, until like we know that they're going to end it. And all of a sudden, they're just like, December is the final season. I was like, well, <laughs> here we go. It just fucking happened that way. But, uh, but yeah, guys, Voltron Legendary Defender is ending, and we're going to review it in its entirety. We're going to talk about its, the arc of characters. Mm-hmm the style in which that it told its story. And I'm very excited to do that. Oh, I'm super excited. You know, uh, but I'm also very, like a lot of people are upset that it's ending. And my argument, every time that a show has a finale, you're getting a finale for the show that you love. Yes. You're not getting a cliffhanger and no resolution. You're getting a finale. And the thing is, I would rather a show go out on a high note than a show to do what The Walking Dead has done and become terrible. Is it wrong to say that it's beating a dead horse? No. Because it's The Walking Dead? <laughs> no, not really. But, um, you know, I would rather get five, six, seven seasons of something really good than something go on nine, ten seasons and it's just existing. Yeah. And not entertaining anymore. So, hey, Voltron, you're going out. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, it comes out today, the day that this podcast uh, releases on. So guess what I'm going to be? Guess what I'm going to be doing later? (laughs) I need to finish season six, uh, which I think I've watched four episodes of. So I'll watch. I'll, I'll finish watching that over the course of the next two weeks and watch season seven. But the other thing guys that we're going to do besides Voltron, which I know Josh and I are again, very excited about, um, we're going to throw in a couple Christmas specials. So Netflix is doing uh, a few shows, uh, from their catalog and they're doing like single episodes that are Christmas theme or holiday themed of some kind. 
I want to do three, but it looks like we only have two as of right now. Two's so if good. another if another one pops up that I that Josh and I agree on watching, then we'll throw it in. But as of right now, all we have is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina's Christmas special or holiday special, and Agrosuko. If you remember the show that Josh hated and I loved, um, I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> Uh, they have a special coming out called A Very Metal Christmas. So, um... We'll see. Looking looking forward to both We'll of see. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited why I have Josh watch Agrisuko again. That's half of the reason why I chose it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> hey, it's not Devil May Cry, baby, so, so oh, suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank goodness it's not. <laughs> um guys thank you for listening it is a, it's a pleasure every fucking two weeks to do this show i look forward to it every two weeks like i've i've been battling anxiety and and bats of depression for like months now but doing this podcast with josh having conversations with him is always always brightens my day and brings a smile to my face so thank you josh first off for being awesome continuing you're welcome to- all right. <laughs> Fucking... oh, but also, man. thank you guys. For, thank you guys for listening and enjoying the babblings of two middle-aged men talking about shows. Fuck you. Are you not middle-aged? <laughs> no, I'm awesome aged. What? I didn't. Middle-aged doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. That means that we're in the middle of our life. That's Hey, my, mine's con- in continuance, so, you know. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I guess, other than being called elderly. Oh, man. There are days where I wake up, though, I feel like, I'm, I was like, oh, I woke up this morning. Okay, well, that's a thing. <laughs> um, At least you still have but, all uh, your parts, fucker. <laughs> accurate, accurate. <laughs> though, there are days where I, did, I wish I didn't have them, because they hurt. Yeah, yeah, trust me, I can get behind but, that. um guys again uh everything about us everything every place that you can find us is going to be on the all queued up podcast website which is all queued up podcast.com yep um we want you guys to join us on our facebook discussion group every week or every every week jesus i've I've been a little i've been a little quiet in there i need to shake it up and get some discussion going I've been really. Go in there, fucking just grab everybody by the shoulders, Josh. I, I'm really, I'm really, really bad about it, but I have been since day one. So this is true. I haven't really set a standard for myself other than I'm terrible about it. But but regardless, I do see the stuff, guys, and I do, I do love hearing your opinion, even if I don't respond. I love hearing your opinion, and sometimes I do respond, <laughs> especially if especially if we disagree. Um. Because I love having arguments, apparently. That's why uh, Greg is always on Twitter. Well, <laughs> not always, but, you know, sometimes, mostly. Yeah, it's the reason. Um. Uh, but yeah, Josh, where, where can they find you personally on the internet? Well, other than here every other Friday with you, they can find me every Friday night. At 9 p.m. Eastern, live on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel with the MPSP Theater. And 
tonight's show, we may be having a guest or two. Still waiting for confirmation on that. But tune in regardless. Uh, it's always a fun time. We talk about various things in uh, pop culture and entertainment uh, in that uh, in that realm, if you will. And then uh-huh. you can also find me on Off the Runner, uh, depending on what channel it'll either be on my friend Dakota's channel, which is Primal Sabbath on YouTube. Or my friend Chris, which is Bricks on the Dollar. Or even my own channel now. Uh, We'll see whoever records this episode. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, just uh, find me on Facebook. I'm I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. I treat people accordingly. You know, if you're good to me, I'll be good to you. And, uh, yeah. That's where I am. Where, where, Where can they find you, Greg? Uh, you can find me, um, out back behind a sizzler, jumping, jumping into the dumpster, trying to get something to eat. Um, I don't know why I enjoy that joke so much. <laughs> I'm just going to pay a different place every time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChubRockGeek. You can find me on, uh, um, Instagram at ChubRockGeek. You can also find my, my fan page on Facebook at ChubRockGeek. Basically, if you search on Google with this, with C-H-U-B-R-O-C-K-G-E-E-K, You'll find me. I promise you. I am literally the only Chub Rock Geek, and no one is trying to steal that name. I don't know why. I don't know if I fucked up somehow in life, and just people go, oh, it's a dumb name. I don't know. But um, uh, I also stream occasionally on Twitter. Twitch? Sorry, not Twitter. Don't stream on Twitter ever. You can stream on Twitter now, but I don't do it. Uh, you stream on t- I stream on Twitch occasionally. Um, I try to do some Jackbox from time to time. Again, schedule sucks, but, um, but yeah, uh, definitely follow that for future things. Uh, sorry for the yawn again, you know, not a whole lot of sleep. Um, uh, I think that's about it right now. I know that Anthony and I, uh, we do a, we do a show. We're trying to do it weekly on Wednesdays now, but if you follow Mission Start, uh, Mission underscore Start on Twitch, you'll be able to watch us record our podcast live. But if you want to hear the topics individually, check out our YouTube channel, which is Mission Start. Mission Start Tube, I believe, is what we called it because we couldn't get Mission Start, so we'll just do Mission Start Tube on on YouTube. Um, and we 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 separate each segment that we do on the podcast. So you can listen to it in chunks. But if you want to listen to the whole show, search Mission Start Podcast on any of the, you know, podcast platforms you enjoy, especially Spotify. We just got on Spotify, folks, so it's pretty fucking ball, pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, what we do on that show is we just, uh, we take uh, news topics from gaming, the gaming world, and we give our opinion. It's fun. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's therapeutic for me, but uh, we're going to be recording an episode. Actually, we recorded an episode Wednesday. Um, so hopefully we'll have another one up this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, we'll see on schedules because I don't know what's happening, but, uh, but yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the list, Josh. I think that's everything that covers it. Uh, go check out our merch store guys. Yeah. Get yourself or your friend a nice new. All queued up hoodie for Christmas since it is cold out there. 
Yeah, there's still time. There's still time to order one. There's still time. <clears throat> yeah, two weeks. Especially get your get your grandmother get your grandmother one, and then and then when she looks at it, she goes, what "The fuck is this?" Go. Just say the best goddamn podcast and see if she knows what the hell a podcast is. If I your mean, grandma knows what a podcast is, then she's an awesome grandma. Yeah. This is true. As I'll, as I'll tell you what, working working at a gas station, I see a lot of old people come in who don't know how to use a fucking chip reader. <laughs> so there's that. But uh, but yeah, guys, that's going to be it. Going to do it for us here. Remember to watch Voltron, finish that show off, and then watch uh, the Christmas specials, Sabrina and Agrasuka. Yes. That way you can join us in two weeks and uh, you know hear our opinion on it as well. Yeah, and but, since our next episode will not drop until after Christmas, everybody out there have a safe and wonderful holiday, uh, whatever you celebrate. Uh, hey, to our Jewish fans, to our Jewish fans. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, that's, I know that's happening right now. That's actually happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, whatever. I think by, by, by upload, they're in their fifth night? I think so. But whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, you know, just uh, be safe if you travel. Yeah, Enjoy. happy Boxing Day to our Canadians. Yeah, yeah. And my Canadian friend Tyler, happy Boxing Day up there. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, we, we just hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season. You know, yes. there's more than one holiday. Uh, that's why a lot of us choose to say happy holidays. There's no word on Christmas. And if you Christmas. say fuck all the holidays and you decide to celebrate Festivus or some, uh, some other. Yes, yes. Happy uh, Festivus. Uh, you know, that's a great one, actually. Uh, but yeah. Just let it, we, 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 we appreciate all of you and, you know, we'll, uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm excited to record another one of these cause I enjoy it so much. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here at all queued up. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>